Continuing our series in kingdom worship, they are passing out to you um, some study guides and also some pens. If you need a pen, why don't you raise your hand? Brother Joe's coming around. And How many think it would be cool if we had SCC notebooks? You think that'd be pretty cool? Think that'd be awesome? Have SCC sermon notebooks and you could take notes and things like that. I think that would be really, really awesome. I think that'd be great. All right. So we're going to look at Psalms chapter 61 real quick. Before you, as you turn there, we started this series talking about foundations. That the foundation of kingdom worship is Jesus Christ. And we'll recap here in just a moment. And After that, we talked about expressions, and tonight we're talking about devotion. Psalm chapter 61, verse 1. Bible says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Oh, and I love this. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. How many have had to say that a few times over your life? When my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard, this is key, thou hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And verse number eight. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. God, you've heard my vows. And so I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm going to sing unto you so that I can daily perform my vows. Today we're talking about devotion. If you could uh, put your papers down for a minute, take your hands, throw them in the air, and let's give God glory and pray for his spirit in this room. Father, we thank you for what we already feel here in this place. We thank you for your glory that's already moving among us. Lord, I pray that you help us. Help us draw closer to you in worship. Help us, God, to draw closer than ever before. Give me a deeper understanding of what it means to be sold out to you. What it means, God, to wake up every morning in devotion with you. Every morning in relationship with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If that's your prayer today, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you are seated. Amen. We're talking about worship. This whole series has been about worship, kingdom worship. So we recap a little bit on the first lesson. We talked about foundations and we covered there what is true worship. What is true worship? And this is important for us to understand again, because this is what sits at the foundation of worship true worship. And what is true worship? Well, true worship engages your spirit in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. 
Number two, it's the, pers- the pursuit of Jesus Christ always leads you to a place of sacrifice. Those are the two keys to know about true worship. That is at the foundation of it all. Your true worship engages your spirit for him, and then it always leads you to sacrifice. So that's the foundations. Then we talked about expressions. Expressions are an outward display of what is within your mind and in your heart. It reveals your emotions visually. So that pursuit for Jesus Christ that you have, that hunger for him, that sacrifice, when, when it comes to expressions of worship, you do that at home in your daily devotion, but you see it all the time when you come here to the house of God. It's hands lifted. It's hands put together like this. It's voices lifted. That's expressions. Everything in this pursuit in you is then uh, uh, visually on display. Expressions. Romans chapter 12 and 1 tells us all about sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice. This is my reasonable service, service translated worship. My life is to be presented as continual worship unto God. So it's absolutely important that I am wholly devoted and I'm faithful to the commitment of that sacrifice. This vow that I have given to give my life in full pursuit of him, to offer my all as worship, I have to be fully devoted to this. What we see in the chapter that we read tonight in our text, in verse number five, the psalmist writes and he says, thou hast heard my vows. And he concludes that chapter with saying that I may daily perform my vows. To vow something is to make a commitment. When you get married, you exchange vows. In other words, you make a promise to the other person. You make a commitment to them. Webster phrases it like this. Vows are a solemn promise. To bind or consecrate by a vow. So this tells me there's something special about vows. It's not any old regular promise. It's not the same thing as me telling my wife, hey, I'm going to go mow the lawn first thing in the morning. And then I forget about it. No, this is different than that. These marriage vows are different than that. It's very unique, right? It's very special. Brother Brian, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a commitment that that entire day is focused around. One single commitment. Focused around, it's in front of your friends, it's in front of your family, people you've never even met before that just crashed your wedding. You're vowing in front of them. You make this serious life-binding commitment that months of preparation were all for this moment. And maybe the most important vow of that day is when that minister says, do you take to be your until death do you part? Until death do us part. This implies that nothing will ever tear you and I apart. Why? Because I am committing to this relationship. 
I'm committing to you right here in front of all these people a very special, solemn promise. Unfortunately, those commitments are broken almost more often than they are kept. The Institute of Family Studies tells us that 41% of all marriages end in divorce. 60% of all second marriages end in divorce. 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. That means there's a divorce happening every 36 seconds. That equates to 2,400 divorces per day. 16,800 per week and 876,000 broken, solemn promises a year. Our world has become very obsessed with itself. And when times are confusing and when times are hard, we would rather stop where we are and just call it quits. Then to continue in our vows or to continue in that commitment that we made. And so here's what we need to realize. A broken, solemn promise isn't only found at the feet of a wounded marital relationship, but it can also be found at the feet of a wounded spiritual relationship. Mm. Revelation 2 and 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left. Thou hast left your first love. Another translation said it like this, because you've abandoned the love you had at first. Another translation, forsaken the love that you had. You do not love me now as you did first. It's become a relationship that has fallen away from its vows. This relationship with him has fallen away from its commitments. How many times have we made solemn promises to God because of our love and our pursuit for him just to stop? Just to stop following through uh, uh, hours later, days later, weeks later, months and years later. How often have we been inspired by a church service, inspired by an amazing speaker, by a camp meeting service or a conference, and we we run to the altar and we say, oh God, I vow to live my relationship with you out loud. I promise to be faithful in my daily worship to you. I'm committed to giving you my all every single day in constant pursuit for you. How often have we made commitments like that? Just to uphold them for a short period of time and just a few months later, we never think about them again. Oh, I promise God to read the word faithfully. Oh God, I promise to pray consistently every day. The realism is this. Many of our commitments turn up to be just empty promises. Matthew 15 and 8 said, the people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. Honoreth me with their lips. Oh, but their heart. Their heart is far from me. And this is the problem. We become so accustomed to making these promises that they've lost their value and their importance. I can tell my wife, yeah, I'm going to take out the trash this week and I'm going to forget 100%. 
I promise you, it happens all the time. And I forget. And then, I'm, and then I tell her, I'm like, no, 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 okay, my bad. I will take it out next week. Sure enough, I forget to do it. After a while, that promise I made, that commitment I made, it's lost its value. In her mind, things shift from, I believe you, to stop telling me you're going to do something and just do it. Stop setting an expectation that you're not going to follow through on. Just do it. There's no more value in my promise. No more value in my commitment. If only we could understand that God isn't looking for someone who just knows how to make a commitment in the heat of the moment. And then forgets about it when emotions have been calmed. No, he's looking for someone who is truly devoted. Somebody who's truly committed. Not to just making a promise. Oh, but to making a vow. Oh God, here I am for daily devotion in kingdom worship. Truly committed. What that means is that they're not just going to go through the motions. But instead, no matter what it takes, they're devoted to upholding those vows. Upholding those promises and commitments, their pursuit for God. The psalmist said something really cool in the the, uh, passage we read. He said that I may perform these vows every single day. A lot of times promises are broken because promises are forgotten. But the, uh, the psalmist here offers a solution to that problem. He says, I'm not going to forget it because I'm going to do it when I rise up tomorrow. I'm not going to forget it because I'm going to make sure I do it first thing in the morning. I'm going to make sure I do it the next day. I'm going to make sure I do it the next day. I'm not going to give it a chance to be forgotten. It's a huge, huge statement. I'm going to perform them daily because it's easy to overlook how, how, how big this is, but what he is actually saying here is, I'm going to create a habit. I'm going to create a familiarity between me and this vow. I'm going to create this habit of pursuing God every day. Now, people are often afraid to do things that they're unfamiliar with. And so in a lot of cases, what, uh, what that, uh, what's keeping them from ever following through on their vows or their commitments that we make in those emotional moments like church, camp, or conferences, or services, like what we had on Sunday night. Wasn't Pentecost Sunday incredible? It's because in that moment, they make a commitment. And in, in, in that, that, that split moment, you're surrounded by all these other things that help you make that step. You're surrounded by faith. You're surrounded by hope. You're being propelled by passion. You hear and you feel God moving. And you're surrounded by a group of other people who are feeling the same way that you are. And all of those things help you to make that step in God, I'm being, uh, I'm committing to you. In God, I'm, 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 I'm vowing to you. Those things play in that, but you're, you're surrounded by the familiar. But then on Monday, when you're not surrounded by the familiar, God, here I am in an emotional moment. I'm ready to commit to you. I vow, I live this life in full pursuit. And that's, that's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. That's a part of collective worship. Yes. 
We're going to talk about that next week. But it's when you're not surrounded by the encouragement. That's when we struggle to continue our commitment of lifelong worship. Because when we're not surrounded by the atmosphere of faith, the atmosphere of encouragement, we're often surrounded then by stress, sickness, weariness, worry, hurt, distracted by things we have to do, things that need to get done, not always bad things. You see, it's just not like it is when, in, when we're here together at church, when we're all focused together on God. When Monday hits, now we have to juggle all these responsibilities, all these other things. And the psalmist realized this as the problem. He realized it, and so he's making sure that he puts himself in a position to be an overcomer. By what? By creating this habit. So the question is, how often do we perform our vows? And the answer is, I perform them daily. Why do I perform them that way? So I become familiar with them. I perform these daily. It's going to become a part of me. I don't want to forget about my commitment. I don't want to forget about the promise that I, that I uh, said to him to give my life as a continual sacrifice. I don't want even one day to slip by that I'm not performing my vows, that I'm not offering myself, that I'm not seeking him, that I'm not pursuing him. Oh, I can't afford to let a day go back bye why because then i become unfamiliar and oh i don't want that to happen god let me be familiar with the commitments that i make let me be familiar with this vow that i'm promising to you lift your hands lift your voices all across the room oh god i want to perform my vow to you every day help me psalmist said and Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, and my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, indicating that each morning, every morning he will rise and search for him. Oh, so this becomes, God, a daily devotion, a daily commitment, a daily pursuit. And that's the secret, intentionally creating a habit. Every morning I rise and I seek you. Every morning I rise and pursue you. This pursuit of worship every morning. It's my devotion. Let's look at how God shows us his devotion to you and I. I. Lamentations 3 and 23. Oh, I love it. His mercy is what? New every morning and great is thy faithfulness oh in this verse god shows his devotion to you and to me in this verse he says every morning my mercies are gonna be brand new every morning i've got something new for you to experience and to discover i love you that much and i'm gonna hold my vow hold my commitment oh what an example of devotion Such a beautiful picture of how this is meant to be. God is devoted to us every morning, new mercy. He's faithful to this idea. He is loyal to his vow. What an amazing verse to discover. If it would be helpful in your daily devotion, I can't think of a better verse to start your day with. 
Just a reminder that he's faithful to you. Just a reminder that he created a habit for you. That every morning he's going to give you something brand new. Put that verse on your mirror. Put that verse in your car. Put that verse on your fridge. If you struggle with your daily devotion, put it somewhere that you can see it every day when you wake up. So you're reminded of that devotion God has for you. The faithfulness he has regarding you every morning he considers you. Woo. Mm. Mm. Devotion is defined as being loyal. And being loyal means to be faithful. I want to be faithful on my commitments. Do we ever fail in upholding our promises and vows to God? Absolutely we do. All the time. But the psalmist is trying to give us some help here in realization that I'm sure to fail. But I will create devotion in my life for God, a loyalty, a faithfulness to him that when I fall, I'm going to get right back up. I'm going to get right back up and keep going toward the promise I've made. You've heard it said before, worship is a lifestyle. So I've got to create this habit. I've got to find a way to make this a part of my life every day so that it consumes me, so that God is consuming me. It becomes my daily devotion. Vivian Hibbert said, we must bear in mind that true worship is a matter of the heart and of genuine devotion to God. We're talking today about the devoted worshiper. Romans chapter 8 verse 38, Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What will stand in the way of me pursuing him with a life of worship? Nothing. Nothing will. Why? Because I'm devoted to this. I'm devoted to upholding these vows. 1 Corinthians 7 and 35. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. The NIV says, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Another translation echoed the same thought, undivided devotion. Another translation, be devoted to the Lord without distraction. Can I tell you, he wants us to give undivided devotion, to be wholly committed. It's easy to preach it. It's easy to amen it. But sometimes, can you, can you agree, it's not always easy to apply it. I don't know how you feel today, but oh God, I need you to help me to stay focused. God, help me to stay focused on my vow. Help me to apply it. Help me to practice it. Psalm 73 and 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. There's nothing I want more than this. There's nothing I want more than you, God, than this relationship. This verse was written by one of David's uh, music directors. What you can understand from this statement is the sense of passion that he has 
towards the Lord. I looked all over, but I couldn't find anything that I desire more than you. I searched the world far and wide, but never have I found anything as sweet as you, God. I've looked and looked, but nothing has satisfied this longing like you have. Oh, God, I want you. What he's showing us is this devotion he has for the presence of God. This commitment to wanting to be only where he is. Is that all you want today? Is that your heart's desire? What's your commitment? What's your vow? King Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We'll be wrapping up here in just a few moments. Can you lift up your hands for just a second? Just give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just tell him for a few minutes. Just tell him, God, I'm committed. God, I'm committed to this. I'm not throwing in the towel. Nothing's separating me. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. King Abijah, he had passed away and he was buried with his son. Buried, uh, and he was buried and his son, Asa, began to reign in Judah and Benjamin. And we pick up in 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 2. The Bible says, And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. This is good so far, right? That's, that's good. Also, he took away out of the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built uh, fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest wow what it what it what an awesome moment this is he moves the strange gods he moves the idols he cuts all these things down and he tells the people seek the lord seek the lord god and because of that the lord provided rest rest comes with devotion the city was in a time of peace and it had favor of the lord because king Asa tore down all the altars the images, the false gods, the idol worship, and he commanded Judah to pursue the one true Lord God. Then we, we, we come to verse 7. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God. There's that pursuit, right? There's that pursuit. This is great. We've sought him. He says it twice. And he hath given us rest on every side so they built and they prospered there's a lot of great things that happen when you're pursuing him right there's a lot of great things that happen when you're seeking him a lot of things come rest comes how many need rest in a weary world i need it oh god so i pursue you right great things happen when you pursue the lord verse nine an army came against them so king asa His response was that he prayed for the intervention of God. And God showed his favor, and they won the battle. 
Verse number 11, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. Whether with many or with them that have no power, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art God. Let no man prevail against thee. So the Lord responded. He smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. Man, this is awesome. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them into Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil, and they smote all the cities around about Gerar. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote all the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance in return to Jerusalem man you seek the Lord you're in a relationship and and he provides rest and he provides prosperity and and he provides a victory in battle oh what blessings come with those who are pursuing the Lord he pursued him he sought him he gained rest smote the enemy chased them won the won the battle came back with more than he had before Blessing, prosperity, favor. There was although a problem. And in Benjamin, the places in Judah and Benjamin, the places that King Asa ruled, there came, they were on their way home from this victorious battle. They were met by a prophet. Prophet Azariah, the son of Oded, approaches King Asa in chapter 15 and verse number 2. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear me ye, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. That's great news. While ye be with him. He's with you as long as you're with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. He continues to prophesy to King Asa, and we arrive to verse number eight. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, out of the cities which he had taken from the Mount Ephraim. And he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Everything I'm seeing here is true worship. That's a true worshiper. He had a heart that sought after God. And then it led him to a place of sacrifice. Verse number nine, and he gathered all Benj uh, Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. And they fell to him out of Israel in abundance. And when they saw that the Lord, his God was with them, he was encouraged and was excited by all of these words of hope, the triumphant victory coming off this huge high. He got rid of all the idols and he renewed the altar and sought God another time. And everyone said, God is with you 
The Bible said he sought the Lord, renewed the altar. What did we learn about a true worshiper? We learned a true worshiper is one whose heart is in continual pursuit for him and it is led to a, a continual uh, altar of sacrifice. That's what we're seeing in his life here. As long as he's doing that, he finds rest in the war. Didn't mean a war wouldn't come, but it meant he would find rest in the war. Living for the Lord doesn't mean there's not going to be battles. But as long as you're in devotion, as long as you're in a relationship with him, oh, then you can have rest in the battle, right? As long as he did it, they would have rest in the war. They would have prosperity in what should be desolate moments. They would have favor and they would win any war that's in front of them. Verse number 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, with all their heart, with all their soul. They went into a vow. All I see here is kingdom worship. God, I pursue you. God, I will lay at the altar you've called me to. God, I vow this to you. I devote this to you. Verse 13 that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel will be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath. For they had sworn, they had vowed with all of their heart and they sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest. Oh, what a promise. If I seek him, I find rest. God, I lift this vow. Verse 18 and 19, he brought into the house of God and the things that his father had dedicated and that uh, uh, he himself had dedicated silver and golden vessels in 19. And there was no more war until uh, unto the five and 30th year of the reign of Asa. Wow. The people made a covenant with God. They made a vow. Their vow was that I would seek him, that they would seek him or pursue him with all their heart, with all their soul. They made this commitment to pursue God, a vow uh, 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 that we see here in the text that they called an oath, a death, uh, a, a until death do us part kind of commitment. Then in verse 19, God honors with no war for a lengthy period of time. But then we get to chapter 16, and things unfortunately change. An enemy poses a threat to King Asa, and instead of relying on the Lord, instead of relying on the devotion, he reaches out to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, and he sent gold his way and silver from the Lord's temple. And he said, hey, I want to create a treaty with you. I want peace with you. Join me so, and, and break apart from the enemy, and they'll leave me alone. And so that happened. And it worked. The enemy left and didn't bother King Asa. Then we get to verse 7 in this chapter. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Verse 8, 
Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you didn't rely on the Lord, or because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them to you. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein you've done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth you will have war. Wow. Hannah and I approached King Asa. He said, you didn't rely on him. You broke your vow. You broke your devotion. And when the war comes, it will come. You won't find rest. When it comes, you won't find prosperity. Second Chronicles, we'll go right back, 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. This word perfect in the Hebrew means wholeheartedly devoted. He's looking for somebody whose whole heart is devoted. Another translation says fully committed. Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. Oh God, let me not forget my vow. I can't afford to walk through this world. I can't afford to go through wars and battles and hurts and disappointments. I can't afford to have struggles in my life and not have your rest and not have your peace that passeth all understanding. Oh God, I need it in my life. If I'm going to make it, can I tell you, if you're going to make it through the things the enemy has in this world that he wants to confuse you with and put in front of you, if you want to make it through that, you got to have devotion. you got to have devotion. you got to have relationship with him because that's where the rest is. Can you lift your hands for a few moments all across the room? Hallelujah. Oh, God, let me not forget my promise. Let me not overlook my vows. Woo. We go back to our text. The psalmist said, I will sing praise unto thy name forever. Why? That I may daily perform my vows. He understood the secret to success in your walk with God. He said, do you know what it takes uh, to make it uh, uh, through the, the struggles and the bitterness and the heartaches and the, the temptations and the hurts and the fears and the anxieties of this life? Do you want to make it on Monday morning? morning here's the way you do it you wake up and sing praise and you daily perform your vows that's what the psalmist said he says this is how i do it this is how i make it i daily perform my commitment that's kingdom worship Oh God, let me every day perform. Let me every day perform this vow. Let me every day find a posture of worship. Let me every day find an altar of sacrifice. Let me every day, God, vow to live in pursuit of you. Every day, God, I'm sacrificing my life at this altar. Every day, I'm singing praise unto your name so I can daily perform. 
this vow. He's looking for the devoted worshiper. His eyes are moving throughout the earth, looking for the ones who are pursuing him in devotion, who are pursuing him through the vow and the commitment daily, never forgetting their promise. Is that your prayer today? God, help me to hold this promise. Will you stand with me? I want to be a devoted worshiper. How about you? Can you lift your hands and your voices all across the room today? Hallelujah. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. God. Oh, today. Today, God, I bring into remembrance a commitment. Today, I bring into remembrance a vow. God, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to uphold it every day I wake up, today and tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Oh, God, it's a daily thing. Daily searching for you. Daily reaching for you. Help me, God, create a habit to pursue you. You've heard my vow. So that I can daily perform my vow. And I leave you with this final, final quote. Oswell Chambers said, stand true to God and he will bring out his truth in a way that will make your life an expression of worship. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to the promise and he will make every step you go an outward display of your life of worship. It'll come out in the way you talk. It'll come out in the way you look. It'll come out in the way you act. It'll become expressions of worship. Now my language is joy. I'll stay true to my commitment. He'll make my life an expression of worship. Every day I'm living out his mercy. Every day I'm living out his grace. Why? Because I'm staying faithful. Every day I'm living in rest. Why? Because I'm staying faithful. Faithful to this commitment. Faithful to this vow. Amen. Before we dismiss today, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor before he comes. Just for a few more minutes. A few more minutes. If you want to make a commitment today, a vow today to the Lord, and say, God, I'm going to commit something that I never want to forget again. I'm going to uphold this tomorrow morning and the next day and the next day. Prayer or reading the word or if you would lift up your hands say God search my heart what in what ways can I devote to you that I haven't devoted to you before time that I give God I'm going to devote time time in prayer every morning and God I'm going to stay committed to it this is my vow this is my vow this is true worship this is true. Come on, that's it, that's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. God, search my heart. Search my What can I give up, God? What can I lay on an altar, God? Oh, I want you to have expressions of worship flowing out of my life. And it's going to take staying committed. It's going to stay, it's going to take staying committed to this vow, to this promise.